Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. A more sincere kickoff of the football podcasting offseason starts right now. Uh, yeah, a little tradition. more format. A little more format yeah. today because last we just kind of it was a little scatter shot last week because we were just so excited, but eventually we just kind of settled on going through each division, giving some thoughts on the big changes. And uh, today is, yeah, as you mentioned, kind yep. of a little more, a little more of the actual start for us. That's, feels real. Feels feels real, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels real. That's a good way to put it. Um, and in general. Uh, Fourth of July comes and goes. It feels like, okay, now it's really time to buckle up a little bit. Um, Wimbledon off to a little bit of a uh, of a struggling start because of the rain has kind of helped me to stay in football mode. Um, how was your yeah. holiday weekend otherwise? Did you have a good one? Good. It was not, it's been very hot, but we got uh, we went to the pool. My poor wife is a nurse, had to work Monday. Just she's and it's one of those where you know, people don't schedule elective surgeries on the 3rd of July. Right. So it's basically like stuff that just had to happen. So it's like kind of one of those where it's not busy at work, but you need to be there the whole time. So those days and, and you don't want to be there. So really long day for her while me and the kids were at the pool. So <laughs> rough, rough for her, but I had a great weekend. And honestly, like, I don't know how big were fireworks for you when you were like a small child. Like it was an important thing. Yeah, massive. So we we somehow did not do go to any fireworks last night on the fourth. We saw some. Uh, we went to a baseball game, and they had fireworks on the third. So the kids got to see fireworks. I think that tricked them. But like we went to the all day, the festival. We went to the parade. We had a lot of fun all day long. And everyone was so tired. None, nobody like mentioned fireworks. I'm like, I'm not driving back into town if they don't bring this up. <laughs> like, I want to. I'm tired, so didn't even do fireworks last night. Uh, obviously, the neighbors had a bunch. I was just happy to find out my newer dog is not. I'm Fire blessed sensitive. to have two dogs who just don't give a shit. Like they, that is huge. They just kind of look around that because I've had some dogs that hate it, which whatever. But uh, grilled some ribs, grilled some corn ribs. Uh, all the food was good. The, the weather was nice, and you know now we're just sucks being back at it, man. I feel like garbage today. <laughs> I too, too much to drink. I mean, just some high noons and meat and oh, bourbon yeah. and all the heat. It really kicks your ass. Yeah, I um, festivities kicked off around my house on Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday is six hard days on the old liver. <laughs> and yeah. it was fun. It was a great time. We went out to Catalina for the day yesterday, did a, a huge hike all around the uh, east end of the island, uh, which was a ton of fun in the morning. And then sat around at the beach and um, took a paddleboard around the, you know, the boats in the harbor there were just uh Everybody was super festive. There was uh, boat parades, human parades. We saw the USC marching band. It was a cool, cool day. Cool day. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, and like you, like you said, it just it's it gets uh, it gets to be a long weekend, man. <laughs> I did. Uh, the best part was too. We went to a the baseball game. I went to was a Northwoods League game mm -hmm. for anybody here who's from Minnesota, Wisconsin. Ah, 
man, like Thunder Bay has a team. It's kind of that this Midwest area, and our team just got the ever shit kicked out. <laughs> As I don't think I've ever been to at least a less competitive baseball game. It was like I go, I went and got like a soda, and they scored like five more runs. They batted around two innings in a row. It was like twelve one, like that. Just every pitcher we threw out there was they just threw strikes. I mean, it's I'm not even a baseball guy, but it's like mix in a breaking ball, buddy. They are just teeing off on you. It was uh, it was an absolute shellacking. So my hat tip to the. Eau Claire Express for the absolute ass whooping, but I think and they stuck around for the fireworks too. So God bless them. They they seemed like nice kids. It's it's and it's uh for anyone who's a little bit of a purist, it is Woodbat League. All right. So I mean, I, I've just watched a bunch of you know college softball and college baseball and stuff. It's it's nice to hear the actual crack of the wood bat. That's um, cool. We're watching some lesser stuff. Right. Yeah, now we're gonna hear the the smack of the the shoulder pads and the helmets. Pretty yes. soon we're Hall we're of Fame game is yeah. We're not that far off. away from uh, a bunch of teams report later this month. Um, I think uh, yeah, we're gonna start start the 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 news and info is gonna start cranking up big time. Uh, rookies report uh, July 18th for a number of teams. Vets report July 22nd, 21st, 25th. So yeah, we're a couple weeks away from really cranking through some serious news and information as we go through the preseason. Um, it is, it's funny too, though. I, I spent bit. quite yeah. a bit. I spent quite a bit of time on Twitter today. I'm not sure I ran into any NFL news like whatsoever. It was really quiet. It was um, just people <laughs> bitching was. about tennis like us. And <laughs> I should, and uh, we'll do that uh, right off the top too. I should mention today's sponsor is again Sport Trade. Ooh. Uh, who is? Yeah. If you're a New Jersey guy, if you're a Colorado gal, or vice versa, or any combination with Wear Out, you can uh, test out their app and start uh, start doing some trading, like I was doing. Not just test out; like you can live live trade, buddy. Get yeah. your money in there and start uh, start getting screwed like me. I screwed up big time on uh, on the Rory thing. I set yeah. like a sell limit, and I didn't quite get there. It sold like part of it, and then obviously he didn't win the tournament two weeks ago or whenever it was. So I was kind of grumpy about losing on that because basically I could sell for about two point five x. I set it about two point seven five. That just never quite got there, and then, you know, shit just goes uh, right down. Yeah, I'm, pear shaped real quick. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, if we have some Wimbledon later this week while I'm watching golf, uh, I'm gonna have tennis on the other monitor too. Yeah, do some live trading. So check it out. Uh, the links will be in the show notes here if you need a link to get there. I think there's a hundred dollar hundred dollar deposit match uh, if you sign up in either of those states. Yeah. There's been some fun matches so far from a live trading standpoint. Otherwise, I mean, it's been pretty chalky. Uh, not getting much out of this tournament from entertainment value yet. Um, but we've had a couple matches like the Fritz one where uh, there was some obvious no, Ben, ben Shelton was Ben fun. Shelton was a big one, big one, big swings. Um, it's a good thing I didn't, I wasn't live firing into sport trade, uh, tennis trading today because I would have had a sincerely a uh, strong belief that Sebastian Corda was going to come back and beat uh, the uh, the rat jury Vesely uh, after losing that first set. <laughs> but he I can't did not. Watch, I can't watch jury Vesely and not think of the burbs 
He looks like the <laughs> he looks like the one neighbor kid. He is such a rat. Time. Human, it's weird, um, but uh, it's uh, Sorry, Wesley. I, yeah, he, I'm sure he's he over it at this point. No, I don't think so. Um, but whatever the case was, that would have been a a big fat L for me because I would have been scooping what I thought was bargain basement prices on uh, Sebastian Corda just to see him bow out aggressively fast in this tournament. Um, um, and then final kind of Wimbledon thought some some uh protesters mm. and i'm a bit of an expert the last few games i've been to in general like uh i've had protesters in a bunch i was at the timbles game where we've all seen that you know that security guard pop out of the first row like that fast i was there oh, yeah. for that i've been at every baseball game it seems like i go to somebody runs on the field wimbledon this was maybe the most annoying one ever <laughs> They threw like a whole thousand piece puzzle on the grass. Like a couple of them, I think. Like it looked like confetti or popcorn. It was puzzles. Like jigsaw puzzles, right? Yeah. Like, somebody had to pick all that shit up. I would be so mad. Thousand like, oh, pieces. Why, why couldn't you just streak or something? Yeah. No, the best was it was a Roger Federer puzzle and a Dusan Lajevich puzzle. Dusan Lajevich, yeah. <laughs> Dusan's tweet of this is my my yeah, career highlight at Wimbledon was pretty excellent. Um, I don't know where you get a Dusan Lajevich puzzle, but that's fine. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, Let's talk some football, okay? Yes, uh, let's get into the Preseason schedule. is on the horizon, but it's the regular season that we're really going to get and give its due deep dive uh, um, uh, discourse to today uh and this is the annual kind of breaking down the uh the sequencing that the nfl gives us uh less so from a who's going to get off to a hot start who's going to get off to a cool start type of um navel gazing and more along the lines of you know who got dealt a fair hand who got dealt you know as a, a pretty brutal hand when it comes to things like rest things like uh travel um and it uh it's always interesting uh, to see how the NFL deals with this stuff, because as people know and decry every time the schedule comes out, there's huge disparity across the league in terms of uh, net rest days compared to your opponent, uh, and then just how much travel you ultimately are doing. Um, some of that's just geography, like there's more teams on the East Coast than this middle of the country, and if you're in the middle of the country, you're just by nature going to fly less. Um, but then you have trips internationally uh, and you have some clusters of travel, which have shown to be uh, somewhat predictive in terms of underperforming. Uh, and we've quantified it all for you guys. And we want to talk yeah. about that. But before we get into this year, Andy, be yeah, because I, I went. Go, go ahead with yours. And then I have a thought. So I want <clears> to <throat> ask you a question. on. Before we get into this year's, uh, I want to kind of go back and look at 2022 in a little bit more granularity and see if we can kind of hypothesize about a couple things because yeah. every year we do this podcast i do this exact same qualifier at the very top which is a lot of this is solved a lot of this is known a lot of this is baked into the market numbers and it's not necessarily an no, answer key in it. terms of winning and losing it's just important to kind of see it all and think about how you're going to deal with this stuff that's my opinion yeah i, th I think most of it is and we know that I, I think that'd be the first thing that you know God forsake somebody who's bit misanthropic got a hold of this. They'd say, well, this is dumb. All this, the market knows this. You don't, you don't think the market knows they have a Monday night game, but yes, but, uh, and we mentioned this a few, God, probably a month ago. And it's good to know why mm -hmm. it's good to know. Like when you, when you have your, I think it was the, the power ratings episode. We said like, Hey, you have your power ratings and they're off. 
Like you should know, hey, this team has a weird rest advantage. This team has some stuff, stuff that is going to get uh, baked into the market and kind of slightly adjust off your numbers. And it, it's helpful to know why. And I guess my question for you is because you said, let's go back and look at 2022. I'd like to think back a little further before we do that. Maybe even like just, I mean, just like 10 years. Okay. I still consider that pretty much the same era of football. That's, you know, obviously passing games are becoming much more important. We have the current. Um, we have the current two-point conversion rules, obviously, for the last like 30 years now, but not too much has changed. The extra point is probably the biggest one that's changed recently outside of just you know some of the changes in penalty rules that have really helped the offense out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just in general, what's your takeaway on things that are included in this chart that have become more or less baked in because of you know the, the market realizing it or teams changing how they do things because you know, I think a really big one that, you know, probably 10 to 15 years ago was probably more actionable was these teams that, I mean, they just didn't do the thing where, hey, let's stay in West Virginia for because we have two straight trips across the country. Like teams were dumb about that. Teams in general were worse about international games. I should qualify that with some teams are still kind of bad at planning for these international trips. We still have that at some points. But I think travel in general, I feel like teams and let's, I mean, let's call them organizations. It's a business. These businesses have become better. And when we talk analytics, you know, everyone wants to talk fourth downs and, you know, kicking field goals and that sort of stuff. But a big part of analytics too is just the, you know, the maximizing everything you can about the, the entire week whether it's the practice schedule or the dietitians that they have nowadays and hydration experts. But I mean, a lot of these people have looked into this as far as how can we maximize our travel and not make it more of more of minimizing the effects of travel, I guess. I think teams have gotten a lot better about that. And I don't know. Is that, that's my biggest reason for a little bit of the drop in home field, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, when I really was focused clearly on trying to understand this problem or solve this problem five years ago, maybe, um, it was pretty clear to me that the back-to-back roadies situationally were underpriced early in the season. They were not correctly priced. Late in the season, they were over-corrected, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that kind of told me that the underlying factor was, yeah, these, you know, two trips in a row when your body's not acclimatized to the grind of an NFL season, negative impacts you relative to your opponent. But once you got past like week eight, it was much more just injuries and, you know, the wear and tear of the season and the, you know, the body, you know, just by nature, you know, just naturally kind of gets more used to, okay, it's you know travel day. You know, this is what I do on the road. Then we play and then we go home. Like we got you get into the routine. It's less of an obvious factor. Now, I think, like you said, most NFL teams take it very seriously in terms of preparation and planning. And, you know, how do we avoid, you know, creating, you know, losing the game before we st- even step on the field. And that has made it to where it's flat all season long. It's a much, much narrower effect, even in the data. Um, and it's really only in the handful of like, wow, that's a really bad situation. And the team is not 
staying on the East Coast. They are making two trips for some dumb reason. Or like the Rams a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but they had four of their first six weeks or four weeks out of six kind of early in the season that were all East Coast games and they weren't staying East any of those trips. Yeah. So they were logging wild. It was like, yeah, it was like four out of the first yeah. five weeks or something horrible. Something crazy. And There's all, and yeah. th- that's a fun part. We'll, we'll see what we have this year. There's going to be something, obviously. But there's also some weird idiosyncrasy like that where it's like uh, – was it the Falcons or the Lions? Like, I think it was the Falcons. One of those teams is like they're going to play indoors for nine straight weeks, mm-hmm. or you know, there's they're, so it's like this team doesn't leave the Eastern Time Zone until week <laughs> seventeen. It's like, it's like how do these things happen? But obviously, putting together schedules very difficult. Yeah, it was 2020 for the Rams, and uh, they were at the Eagles at the Bills weeks two and three. They underperformed in the second of those. Uh, they were at Washington at San Francisco. Obviously, one of those is a West Coast destination, but it just underlies the point that they're flying back and forth and back and forth. Their fourth trip east came week eight at the Dolphins, and that was their worst performance of the season. I blame it all on the travel and the bye being on the you know on the horizon for them, and the desperately needing a break. Um, but there's, you know, kind of select examples of that. Let's talk about the kind of the effect of rest and, and the way that the market prices the buy first, though. And then we'll unless you want to stay right on travel and di- dive into those numbers. No, not... no, no. Okay. I, I just think I think teams have gotten better. I think we, we need to we need to realize, like, it, it is a factor. It will be a factor in those extreme situations. But in general, we can't just be like, oh, man. It's a road game like that. That can't be, you know, that can't be the end all be all. Like teams have gotten a lot better with their travel organizations. Um, you just do have to monitor that stuff. And that's the beauty of the deep dive discord guys. Boy, <laughs> Anytime we've had one of those, like in the last year where it's like, we're not hundred percent sure where they're staying or what their plans were. Or we're not sure when this team's leaving for London. Somebody's on that, like stink on shit. So thank you to everyone who helps dig out that news right away. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think for a lot of those games mm. is the international, the international series obviously is not going anywhere. Yeah. I think there's still going to be some angles there with some teams who generally screw up how that works. Yeah. And I mean, as you look at this schedule this year, there's pretty obviously some spots where I would assume that the team is going to stay East or West. We don't know. Um, and yeah, the international travel stuff, I completely agree with there. You know, some teams take that seriously and they go, you know, acclimatized for a week and others don't and that makes a huge difference sam Um, Sam brings up a point this was something i had kind of pinned in my notes for later but worth bringing up because it kind of fits the topic what about teams that have super late or super early buys and have to play 10 plus straight games just off the top of my head i'd much rather have the super late buy if obviously I want the buy in the middle, I want the buy in a perfect spot, like right after a couple road games and gives me the perfect spot for, you know, resting my team and getting organized for the second half of the season. But if you gave me like the, you know, choice between week five and week 13, I think I'd take 13 every time. It it seems like the the grind of just knowing, oh shit, we already, you know, it's uh, you used your mulligan on the first hole, and you got to play the rest of that scramble. You know, knowing it's it's gone, like just having that out of the way so early and realizing, like, yeah, hey, we're gonna make the playoffs, and we can play. Like, yeah, you know, 
14 straight weeks here. This is a, it's a lot of football. There's some short weeks in there. There's some, uh, like we mentioned, travel spots. Like that gets to be a grind. I think the, the early buy is rough. Yeah. The problem is there's so few, it's such a small sample problem that you can't yeah. really tease out what buy week is the best or if you do you're not necessarily getting the right you know like you're you're doing a little bit of leaping there um what i can tell you about the buy is over the last 10 years um the true buy so this is six seven or eight days rest advantage over your opponent that has been over accounted for in the market to the tune of a point roughly okay teams with the buy win about 55 percent of the time okay um that's obviously a five percent bump <laughs> over an average right but uh it's not worth the um what's the what's the average line the average line is like almost two or two and a half i think for the team that's got the rest advantage and it really should be something more like one or maybe a little under one. Um, and so it's uh, it's over, you know, it's over reflected in the market numbers. And that's not shocking. Um, in my experience, it is usually built in f- almost perfectly to the openers, which is probably why it's a little bit o- maybe over reflected. You know, there may be some market movement during the week where people are kind of, you know, pushing it in the direction of the rested team for whatever reason yeah, and i need it i need yeah. a team to bet on like oh, yeah this team's oh, coming right. off a buy. could be could be and they're only yeah. big and I, and I think people see numbers that you know if there is going to be movement and they see it's pushing a key number or something they're more apt to grab it mm-hmm. i think there's a bit of a as, as people start to get smarter about this because i i find this happening to me too where my eyes are just drawn to minus two and a half yeah, especially if it's if it's minus two and a half, minus one fifteen, minus one twenty, my eyes are drawn to that. Like, <laughs> you know, it might not even be something that's on my radar. But like, man, do I have to get that before it moves? Yeah. And some some of those some of those you know, it's like, hey, this opener was probably perfect, but if it opens <laughs> in a spot like that, it, it feels like there's oh, there's some action that took it up to three because they're off a buy or they had some weird rest advantage or they're playing you know the third straight game on the road the the opponent where there's something coming in where you have a nice narrative to you know I don't know sell yourself to bet on the other side, but no, I I mean I think the more obvious the spot, the more likely to have exactly what you said where. It's overvalued in the market, and as far as the close goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year, uh, in particular, six, seven, eight days rest advantage was of you know you would have lost against the spread, small loss like eleven and twelve yeah. in the regular season um, against the spread, fifteen and ten. I'm sorry, thirteen and ten, uh, straight up there. Um, another about a point and a, a point and change overshoot in the uh, very small sample we've got here the um the so basically my general read is you know if you're you know it's important to know when the buy is it's important to kind of glean what's going on with the team going into and out of their buy i still contend that sometimes teams that go into their buy losing tend to come out of their buy performing a little bit better um teams that uh go into their buy and then go and then are playing at home a lot of times have a travel advantage over their opponent 
uh, teams that come go into their buy and then are playing on the road, sometimes the travel disadvantage, I think, is you know largely negates whatever rest advantage they have because the standout in the last several years as far as off the buy really wildly underperforming relative to market is the road teams off of a buy for whatever that's worth. So I don't know if there's a, you know, a, I don't know if this is noise just because we're talking about such a small sample size now, but for whatever reason, the sample in the last five years I've got of teams coming off of a buy and then, but, but having a travel disadvantage. So basically they're on the road, their opponent has been home, home or whatever. Yeah. Those are off market by two and a half points, which is kind of a lot, <laughs> kind of surprising, honestly. Um, and so, you know, keep it in the back of your mind, I guess. If uh, you see a team that's getting market support, that's on the road off a of buy, you know, there's potentially just a, a little bit of a overreaction cooked in there, or maybe something small just that the market. Some, some automatic, some automatic EV. Just yeah. uh, in yeah. general, I suppose you know you'd have to like blanket bet bet all of them. But I mean, yeah, if, if it's it's another it's, one of those uh, things yeah. where I, I think the main overarching theme of this entire podcast and this entire schedule is there's nothing on here that should make you place a bet. Right. It should just be there should be stuff that reinforces a bet or pushes you off a bet or just adds a little extra context. And, you know, as we start talking about buys, we can start looking at how teams will, you know, maybe plan their seasons. We don't have a ton of it this year. Uh, a lot of the rookie quarterbacks are just starting right out of the gates, but I mean, there's a few probably candidates for benching where, Hey, maybe we're done with Sam Howell at a certain point. Maybe we're done with, uh, I mean, it depends how bad some of these teams play that have some younger quarterbacks sitting in the wings or mm -hmm. maybe decide to just rest some guys or have a quarterback who has a bum elbow who hasn't had surgery on it for three years. Maybe there's a time to, to, to sit him out a little too and get him healthy. Uh -huh. So um, yeah. Yeah, the, the buy can be interesting from a, a bit of a macro theme too when you're looking at when it occurs for some of these teams and their unique situations. Yeah. Um, as far as the travel disadvantage stuff, goes the only real signal that popped from quantifying it last year for me was the like the five percent tails like the real extreme stuff of the upper five percent of margin um pretty clearly there was uh, an underprice in the market to the tune of about a point and a half um you know it's only five percent a game so it's not enough to really have a strong conclusion on, but the fact that it glides and that there's more signal with, you know, kind of the bigger the margin uh, in, in you know, kind of the systematic way we took this. And just again, the way that I'm doing the travel advantage, disadvantage calc, I'm taking the miles traveled in the last three weeks relative to the median of any team in a three week period over the balance of the season. So it's basically saying how much worse or better off are you then a median team over a three game sample. I'm waiting the mo the current game the most, the the previous yep. week the second most, and the three weeks ago the, the least. Um, and what is uh, the what is the median uh, amounts of miles games traveled? traveled. Yeah, over a three week period, what is the median miles traveled? By so you know what's funny is it's up 
this year. I mean, th- so this, it's, it's like going to the way be... that the schedule works and who's playing who. It yeah, I mean, the way you cross year. schedules because I mean, if you if you cross with, you know, if uh, your east cross with east or your west cross with west, it's just going to naturally bring that down. But when there's a lot of cross country travel, I suppose it's naturally going to be a lot higher. Um, I'll tell you what the median is this year. It's the median. <laughs> and then, yeah, more so, international yeah. games does not help that either. Germany is further than London, and Germany is a lot further than, uh, I don't know, Chicago for anybody. <laughs> the uh, median miles traveled in a three-week sample for NFL teams this year is 3,500 miles. It was Jesus. about 2,800 miles last year. I'm sorry, kilometers. I'm in kilometers because my that's my equation is set up for kilometers for distance. So three thousand five hundred kilometers. That's a still a bunch. Yeah, it's a lot. It's not, I, it's I would not, not have guessed that. I. Yeah, yeah. So in a given week, they're basically flying across the country. Um, the uh, you know, and you know, for sure, the uh, um, I would say that the. When Again, you did that, did you the, when you go. did that, did you assume teams would be staying over? Yeah, I have no I, I have nothing built in for teams staying over. And in fact, when we did this last year, the top four or five travel disadvantage spots, the teams made the choice to stay. Yeah. It was like Atlanta the week that they went, uh weeks two and three, they went like at San Francisco and then at Seattle. They stayed in mm-hmm. Seattle. Uh yeah, though that that was a. Uh, that was one of them. There were a couple other ones where, um, you know, the the flashing red travel warning uh, all actually just meant, oh, no, we're planning on this. And there's a couple of those this year, too. And we'll get into those and point them out as we kind of talk through it. Um, but, uh, you know, a team like the Giants going at Arizona at San Francisco weeks two, weeks three. They might elect to stay west. Wouldn't shock me. Um, the. Uh, so again, there's not a ton of signal in the uh, travel disadvantage, but if you're out there at the tails, then uh, it does look seem like it it sincerely negatively impacts your performance by a decent amount. Um, the combination of travel disadvantage and rest disadvantage is sort of the sweet spot. Like if you're out on both of those, you're missing your median expectation by a decent amount. Uh, over the last five years. So if you're tired and you're, you know, you know, if you're at a rest disadvantage and travel disadvantage, that's kind of the widowmaker spot, uh, at least in the handful of, um, you know, handful of years we've looked at this. I will say also that in the rest, we mentioned like six, seven, eight days rest and that being solved and or over accounted for by market. Three and four days rest still not accounted for correctly. So that kind of extra rest you get from Thursday night football in preparation for your opponent the next week, there's still signal there for sure. In fact, that's almost more valuable than a week rest advantage, which I think has something to do with the way that the buy and the rules are, right? I've always kind of theorized this. So, and the, the thing about the buy is it's not as if you gain you know, a week of practice time. Yeah, your coach gets to kind of tweak scheme, but the players are just get a vacation, right? Yeah, you're 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 off. You're just done for the you know full week. Whereas, you know, I know they're not, you know, there's probably some concessions made on hey, we're not going to go two a days on Friday, the day after a Thursday, 
game. Obviously, it's this is a rest and recoup and get in and see the trainer kind of day. But the the team doesn't uh, go off in their ways and end up. God, was the was the New York Giants boat trip a bye week thing? No, but that was off season, right? I don't. Was it, it was. I don't remember. I don't, New York I don't, some, somebody was. remind me when the, when the boat thing happened. But I mean, guys, guys are staying, you know, and helping and you know working with uh, working with the team, working with the coaches, helping get prepped for the next game. I think that's yeah. where that makes a difference. And we've seen this a couple times now. And I don't know how often this used to happen. It feels like it happens more. It'd be worth checking into. But the the whatever we used to call it, something stupid, the mini the mini bonus buy, where the team is coming off a, a Thursday night game into like a Monday night game, or they were coming off a, a Thursday night game. So they had that extra three or four days and the, the other team had like one fewer days because they were coming off a Monday. So they had that, that bonus extra day where it was like a, Hey, we have, we have nine or 10 days and you have six. Uh, and there was some, there were some, bad results for the teams in those spots. Like you said, especially compared to teams coming off the bye. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. Um, and so there's about a point left in that relative, you know, the way the market treats those games and what that's worth. Um, the, uh, was a pretty, yeah, it was the Packers game. <laughs> yeah. The winning percentage for three or four days rest was 58%. So higher than just the buy 55 <laughs> go yeah. figure um and i yeah i think it might must have something to do with the you're getting extra practice time for your guys uh then yeah a little added wrinkle the flex the thursday night flex patrick brings up mm-hmm. the flexing i don't think it's going to be mm. a big factor because they are limited they they have like they have a monkey paw in this they can only it is, do it so many it times. is a factor and i was going to save this for the end but it, it's, a, it's a bad one it's a bad factor it's 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 going to happen. They're going to use this, but they can't do it very often. And the fact you're going to know about it, how let's say they have to let these teams know like a month in advance when they do this. It sounds like, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, no, we'll, no the, we'll know. We'll, we'll know about it. The prep and all that will be fine. But uh, the bigger factor on the Thursday night thing, none none of the rookie head coaches have Thursday night games this year. Yeah. And some something else that Casey brings up is Casey with the gnarly end of schedule rest disadvantage. It is saw that, yeah. And I wondered too. I'm like, God, that's gonna be funny if we we talk about this at length, and they're resting players because it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I made a bust because I was like, how can they have a rest disadvantage over and over and over and over again? It was it must have been intentional on the part of the schedule makers to try to enforce a little parity. I honestly think so because there's no reason that you would have rest disadvantage over and over and over and over again at the end of your season like that. Um, the um, and clusters of rest disadvantage are more impactful than sing standalone for sure. So I think travel, you know, kind of thinking about sort of the added factors, travel, how travel and rest combined, uh, you know, cumulative stuff, all of that uh, definitely stands out to me as sort of small factors that you can probably still glean a decent little bit of an edge from. Um, the ancillary stuff that I just kind of put on there as sort of a, hey, this is good old narrative street here. If you want to talk about a warm team going to a cold, you know, going or a dome team going outside, blah, blah, blah. There's still signal in that stuff. I was actually like genuinely surprised by this. But um, the time zone stuff last year, if you had 
you know, if you had a time zone advantage over your opponent, um, and this is, I looked at two different examples. One is a West Coast time kicking off early, so before your body clock normally would be ready. Uh And I looked at the example of an East Coast team kicking off late against a West Coast team so that they're kind of at the tail end of their optimal window and you're a little bit outside of yours. Um, And in uh, 31 examples is 19 and 12 against the spread for the team with the time advantage uh, and to the tune of about a point on average, which kind of surprised me that, and that that's now like the fourth year in a row that's happened. Um, So pretty clearly there's something going on still with uh you know body clock adjusting for time and stuff like that um the dome and warm weather teams playing well, in i mean cold we weather. saw it this weekend with joey chestnut like yeah sure athletes athletes are he was ready I mean, to go won, a certain, but, i know but he was ready to go at a certain time and then it was, yeah, I mean, it was athletes yeah. are creatures of habit and yeah. start throwing things off like that yeah the the early the early times for the west coast teams yeah and that i mean the and then we did have start. Uh, we didn't do it for a couple of years. It felt like, but uh, the, what time do those London games start? You know, when they were doing the yeah, like six thirty, six thirty West, West Coast, Coast time. time. Yeah. yeah, Seattle kicked off at six six o'clock West Coast time yeah. in Munich last year, and they looked like it for a good first half of that for a full first half of that game. They looked like they woke up at six a.m. and tried to play the football. Um, the uh, yeah, the cold, you know, warm weather teams in at least 20 plus difference of where they normally play and where they are playing uh, were 15 and 10 against the spread. That was a point. Uh, surprised that was worth a point, but sure enough, there's still something there. Um, and then um, hot, there's very few, but then basically in the month of September, teams that. Uh, train spring training in cold weather and then go play in florida um they stink they still stink but it's a two teeny sample it was like one in three uh, against the spread for the hot team so um yeah there's uh there's still something there for all of these ancillary factors which surprises me but uh you know we'll see if that happens again next year either way uh we went to the trouble of produce of, of combining it all into one I guess two uh, snazzy graphics, one per conference. You ready to uh, look at uh, 2023, Andy? I am. Do you have any more thoughts or questions or comments on like what this stuff is worth relative to market? No, I think. You think it's mostly noise? I don't want to say your math sucks and you're you're off, but like because I I think you're right, but in like there has to be some confidence intervals with this sort of stuff because of the, you know, the, the samples just are so small, but there's, I, I believe that, you know, like what we said, like we're, we're definitely, you're definitely directionally correct because of like, you know, it's enough that it's not noise, but it's still hard to say like, this is worth a point. You know, I, I think that maybe that's the takeaway. I'm, I'm just trying to convey to anyone listening, like don't, when you say, you know, when Drew says I did the math and I looked back and this this is worth about a point over the last however many years you said, you know, don't just take that and start applying that. Just know that, yeah, you know, yeah. there, there's I'm, still a little bit of a there's still a little bit of a a market edge against yeah. teams in that spot, and that's roughly the you know the amount that you're seeing as far as a percentage. Yeah, and what I'm talking about is the average residual. Mm-hmm. 
between the market close and the result. So um, market closed six. Act, uh, sorry, market closed you know one and a half. A actual result was a six point loss. That's a four and a half point residual. So that's what I'm looking at in terms of qualifying this. And I will also say that with a lot of the kind of time and weather related stuff, there's combining factors there, right? Like if you take the time, uh, you know, the time disadvantage as an example, it just so happens that a bunch of those are also like really bad travel travel spots, <laughs> right? Like they kind of have it. Yeah, you know, if, if uh, you know, the Chargers are playing at you know nine o'clock in the morning their time, that means they're on the other side of the country, <laughs> right? Like there's there's some of that there too, which I think you know maybe obscuring some of this. Well, and um, and the the toughest part with doing any of this and. That's why, you know, the, the bigger the sample, the better, obviously, with everything. But the toughest thing about any of this when you're dealing with some of these things being 30, 40 game samples is, hey, this is a, you know, this is example A. Like we had the rest advantage or rest disadvantage for this team. And, you know, this is the result we got. So we had threw that into the data, but start digging in and like, oh, that like the two I got knocked out in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. You know, should we still be used? Should we still be using that data? You know, obviously there's games that are going to be uh, over a big enough sample. There'll be games that counteract that. Like, well, you know, there's also a game where the, the quarterback got knocked out for the other team, you know, yeah. the team with the advantage. So it, it's tough because there's so much context that goes, that has to be taken into some of this stuff. But I think in general, I, I love what you put together there. And, you know, it, it's interesting to find out that some of this stuff is, it goes both ways. Like that's the most interesting thing I think from what you've just espoused is like, Hey, people are overvaluing this against the market close at the buy. And we're still undervaluing some of these spots as well in the market. So yeah, it's crazy that uh, in one of the bigger markets in the world, there's still some goofiness according to some of these situational yeah. spots. I, I guess I, I didn't really realize how correlated some of this stuff was, but um. Uh, of the time disadvantage spots, 25 of those, 32 also, you're at a travel disadvantage. <laughs> uh, of the two cold spots, um, which I, there are 37 of those examples, dome teams or warm weather teams, outdoor and cold weather, every single one of them except for one is a travel disadvantage, which is kind of crazy. So it's, uh, it's you know, there that that you know, is, is kind of, I think, a pretty interesting way to not kind of narrow down the sample size of trying to figure out, oh, you know, two things are happening here. The confluence of those may be a little bit underpriced. Yeah. Because well, you're not even the, factoring in de-icing the plane. Yeah, that's... Do you oh, even sure. know what that means for <laughs> California? <laughs> so, yeah, that, so the, the misfit on cold two cold games, by the way, was 37. Uh, of those, the uh, average uh, misfit was two points, two point seven points. So that was a non-trivial one, which I was kind of surprised by. Um, anyway, we move on to twenty twenty-three. Uh, AFC or NFC? What do you want? Let's look at the uh, AFC first. This is uh, the Conference of Champions, at least for now, in the foreseeable future. And uh, a couple things stand out pretty obviously, and it was already brought up on this podcast, and uh, I will add some commentary to that. But uh, yeah, 
KC from week 12 to week 17 is a as a rest disadvantage every single week. It's kind of that's kind of rare to see six in a row. Uh, now, one the first and last of those is I think like a one or two game disadvantage, and that that in the database is total noise, right? Like there is zero. The residual is zero for but, one and two rest. But yeah, it gets a bump because it's part of a cluster. Yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Like, does but you you have yeah. that small rest disadvantage isolated? Maybe not an issue, but you throw a couple of those in a cluster. Uh, also, where you have to go to Lambo and then play Buffalo back to back, and God knows what. Maybe New England's halfway decent. It could be a tough stretch between the two. You know what are supposed to be easier games against Vegas, and then Cincinnati and the Chargers. And they really did kind of set up to like, hey, guess what? We're not playing the AFC title game in Kansas City this year. <laughs> They're trying. <laughs> yeah. They're this trying team's to move it. Three seed tops. Um, all right. But like the, you know, the cumulative rest disadvantage for the Chiefs is high. Um it comes against some meaningful teams, certainly Green Bay, Buffalo, New England, and Cincinnati, I would say are meaningful teams on their schedule to have a disadvantage against is not great. Um, Buffalo, especially. And that one again, that, so that's one where you have a travel advantage over them, right? So that kind of falls into that bucket of maybe overpricing the advantage when we get there. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, that this is a, this is not a great stretch for them. And uh, they have the largest cumulative rest disadvantage in the AFC by a lot. Um, 13 total games lost, uh, 13, sorry, 13 total days lost relative to opponent. The next highest in the AFC is the Chargers with six. After that, Vegas has four. Almost everyone else in the AFC is a net rest winner, which is kind of interesting. Uh, can't explain that how that how that actually happened to work out, um, but most of the rest lost is in the NFC this year for some reason. Um, I will note that a couple of teams with high hopes uh, that have huge advantages over the balance of the season: the Jets have twelve days of net advantage, Cleveland with ten, Tennessee eleven, Baltimore nine, Miami seven, Pitt seven. Ooh, now these are, are a all... lot of the trendy teams, man. Yeah, and I bet I mean like if they're all if they all have a bump though, <laughs> like it doesn't really help anyone. You know, like they're yeah, all, can't all win the AFC. Um in terms of like days, like it and I am always I, I don't put any weight in cumulative really because to me it's much more how many games are you impacted like look at the chargers here the chargers i was have just it. gonna say the chargers have it worse than the spot. chiefs almost right the chiefs are clustered and that's obviously noticeable and that's weird right but the chargers have uh f one two three four games where three of them where they're in that kind of drawing you know in that uh, sort of death zone three to four days where their opponent gets to practice and prepare for them one of them where they're facing the uh, uh, lions coming off of the uh, coming off thereby. Um, Not only that, but it's something interesting too is if you, you look a little further at a, a team that let's just let's stop and pause on the Chargers for a second because I think you know what's your your ten word analysis of the Chargers over the last few years is like Herbert's been good, uh, but the defense has been shaky. 
And then obviously the you know the coordinator switch is the big story this year. But you look at those rest disadvantage spots, Minnesota, who I guess yes, we're not that scared of Kirk Cousins, but he's been a kind of a good quarterback, and they have probably one of the better passing games in the the NFC. Kansas City has a pretty good offense. Last time I checked, <laughs> Detroit. Yeah. That's kind of what they have going for them is they're willing to be a kind of a you know. A one-sided team. Obviously, they they spent some money and some resources on that secondary, and they're hoping to be better. But and the defense, Chargers defense, is going to have a hell of a time with these spots like this. Like that's a you know, and obviously Baltimore has a lot to figure out with their wide receiver core. But if Lamar returns to any sort of semblance of where he was in the MVP, that's four nasty spots against some good offenses. Yeah, I like that point. Um... Chargers also, give up the most points. Bet. Yeah, I also would point to, um, yeah, you meant you know the 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 um, the buy they their buy doesn't their their buy is helpful for them right whereas some other teams have their buy canceled and that's why their cumulative looks so out of whack right mm-hmm. like Kansas since Kansas City's cumulative rest is out of whack because. They come off of their buy and play Philly, who's also coming off of their buy, so they get no okay. advantage, right? Uh, Chargers at least get that Dallas game where they travel and rest advantage over Dallas is pretty nice. Um, I, I know my eyes are quickly drawn to the Patriots buy. Yeah, not, yeah. Finally, the, finally, they're for the playing first, somebody for the yeah. first time in like six years. The Patriots are playing someone who is not coming off of their buy, also. So whatever Belichick thought he was getting out of that secret. He doesn't care anymore. Um, the uh, the only t- I guess there are no teams um, in the AFC that fa- in the NFC that face more than one team coming off their bye. Uh, it, but it's just kind of an accumulative uh, effect of a bunch of the uh, kind of medium spots that I think matters. There's an Andor is interesting there. Um, the Buffalo Bills, you think that uh, tilts the balance between them and the Chiefs in terms of seeding with the Bills getting that uh, uh, extra week to prepare for KC? Does that mean anything? My, oh, pink, pink is good. I don't no, know pink why. Pink is I'm... a disadvantage. Pink, pink is, is... You lo- you've lost seven games to your opponent or more. Okay. Okay, I just see pink at the top. I thought I was talking on my ass the whole yeah, time I was bad. talking about church. Pink, yeah, no, pink is bad. bad. Pink is bad. Blue is good. All right. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, Buffalo, you know, a lot of people have <laughs> sold their stock on Buffalo pretty quick with the, oh, Dable made the offense go. Diggs doesn't like his quarterback anymore, but there's still so much talent on that roster. And, you know, I mentioned you, you have one spot there where they have the big rest disadvantage with the, uh, you know, the Denver coming off their bye, but they have a pretty advantageous schedule for a team that's, you know, it's not on the coast technically, but it's an East Coast team. And that's where you see some of these big travel disadvantages where it's like, hey, you know, you can see that they got to go out to Vegas, they got to go out to Denver. There's a few spots like that where, or, no, those are home games. Why are they, oh, that's, those are advantage. Green is good. 
I green just, is good I, for travel. I gotta, I gotta get Orange is bad for travel. I gotta use yeah. all the colors now. So yeah, the Jacksonville game is uh disadvantage, and then traveling to LA later in the year, disadvantage. So kind of a soft schedule, especially compared to the shit that Kansas City has to put up with. So maybe it does level things off, but at the same time, you still need a lot of the things that went wrong. Like schedule alone won't save you. But you know, if it did, I I'd like Buffalo quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um the uh there are no obvious wow um divisional games they kind of did a decent job of of kind of separating the divisional games away from huge rest advantage disadvantage which was smart i think for the most part the you know the the only one we mentioned of uh la at kc being a, yeah. a disadvantage for them is that's kind of the exception not the rule um Otherwise, for the most part, there's no clear, oh, my gosh, this team is being given the division gift wrapped here. Um, I guess I, I, you know, I I think of, um, you know, a lot of the younger teams that might want to change quarterbacks like Tennessee's buy is interesting to me. Week seven, Um, they come out of buy Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Tampa. Uh, That might be, you know, time to kick the tires on a Will Levis if you want to make the move. Um, the, um, indie similarly, uh, middle of the year by, I think I doubt it. We, you know, I doubt we get to week 12 without seeing Anthony Richardson start, but, um, you know, they yeah, could, I think they I, could elect my, to my general feeling is he's, it has to go pretty badly in camp for him not to be just okay. fired up day one. Okay. I think I, I, I truly do think you, the you get the, all three of them just day one, day one. Okay. All right, uh, Bryce Young too. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't oh, know, all, all three of them. Of you, it mean, is, you mean Young, Stroud, Richardson? All three. Young, Young, Stroud, Richardson. Yeah, okay. I think uh, I think Ursay is going to push pretty hard for like, hey, this is this is what we're doing. We're going to start him right away. If not, I'm going to go on a bender, guys. So okay, and it's, um, it's, a, it's not the softest landing spot, but yeah, get him in yeah. there. And honestly, that's the right move for a lot of these teams to start these guys. You're gonna expand that kind of draft capital. You better see what you have in a hurry. Yeah, because windows windows don't stay long open all that long. I mean, yeah. it's you know the Packers. It wasn't a top five pick, but Love's not in the same kind of contract contract spot as he yeah. could have been if they would have uh, moved on a little sooner there. Birdie makes a note about Pittsburgh at Cincy back to back at Cleveland at Cincy back to back weeks eleven week twelve. Interestingly, those are travel neutral. Those are those are short trips. Uh, this kind of comes. This puts into kind of sharp focus the quantifying part of this exercise, where um, you know Pittsburgh to Cleveland turns around, Pittsburgh to Cincy. Eh, does that really move the needle for you? I don't think so. Um, no, those are like those are like half hour flights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably, bus, bus ride. Honestly, um, yeah, you might you might drive to Cleveland, man. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not obvious to me that those are going to be huge disadvantages. And in fact, if you want to talk switch switch a little bit to travel, because there's not much more to say about rest that I could tell you. Um, the travel stuff, Pittsburgh has it pretty good until the very tail end of the season. Um their bad spots on for travel are against teams that stink <laughs> and they're home a ton um home one two three uh four five six of the first 10 weeks they're at home then they have a buy in there so s- technically seven 
their road games are at Vegas, at Houston, at Rams. So yeah, and obviously Vegas, games. Vegas yeah. and Houston aren't aren't predicted to be very good. Yeah, the Rams at that point, who knows where they'll be at with that defense? A uh, bit of a fragile spot with the quarterback, and then yeah, Cleveland and Cincy are tough because I mean they're they're better teams, and it, not only is it divisional rivals, sure. but they're just yeah. they're both better than Pittsburgh at this point. Sure. And, you know, those are going to be tough regardless. I don't think the travel is too bad. Having them back-to-back road isn't fun. I mean, just from mm-hmm. a playing on the road in front of uh, in front of those fans, having a little bit of a ref bias against you. But then at the end of the – yeah, at the end of the year, the indie game is indoors. Seattle isn't uh, – I guess it's, it's a travel spot, but you're coming off a home game the week before, so you can kind of plan yeah. accordingly and then – Baltimore's tough. That's that's their toughest travel spot, I'd say. Besides, yeah. you know, um, since he is the toughest travel spot, that's a very good team. The team that got thunderstruck the most for travel is the Chargers. Not only do they not have any home field advantage to speak of when they play in SoFi, um, but their road games this year are sequenced poorly. Yeah. Uh, at Tenny, at Mini, weeks two, three. I don't we don't have a ton of signal that says the chargers are the kind of organization that's going to stay in West Virginia in between Tennessee and Minnesota. Right. So they're probably flying across the country twice there. They're getting some early miles um, at KC is not great for them travel wise, just because KC spends a lot of time at home leading up to that. Um, LA, LA to Minneapolis is like four hours. Yeah. And then it's, here's, not the easy, yeah. it's, it's one of those where you, you trick yourself like, Ah, let's head back home. Like it's not, we're not like going back to New York. Right, but it's right. still, it's still a decent flight. And then things get real weird week nine on. Um, oh yeah. By the way, at Tenny at many, you're playing early. Both of those games, early yep. kickoffs um, at the jets, Detroit at green Bay, Baltimore at new England. So basically you're ha- you have three, you have two full cross country flights and five weeks and one additional mostly across the country to Green Bay. Um, all three of those are expected Again, to be like colder pumps, weather, much colder pumps. weather in those locations than what we would expect in LA. What, what's what's LA to New York? You ever done that, Drew? Uh, it depends on the time of year, but if you had a tailwind, which you usually do going from LA to New York in the fall, early winter, it's like six hours, five and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, to Green Bay to LA to Green Bay is four and a half. I mean, it's not that much shorter. It's you know it's not like uh, oh it's the middle of the country it's only like three no, it's like that's like Kansas City man it's still you're still going quite a bit north to get to Green Bay so yeah those are non-trivial travel spots and in between it you have some some decent teams at home yeah uh, right yeah I hate to be like I'm out on the Chargers but don't love the There's, schedule no their schedule if I pick like I don't love a schedule team it's it's the Chargers so far that's a strong agree here uh, rest. Uh, conflating factors like we were talking about uh, you know a bun- bunch of time bunch of cold um, charges a team that is equipped to play in the cold in your opinion you know <laughs> Herbert played in the Pacific Northwest just doesn't doesn't get cold like it gets cold here <laughs> yeah yeah and you got to factor the bus ride in from Apple to Appleton. Like, that's the thing about going to Green Bay, too. You don't, it's honestly, you know what? Flying to Denver is probably worse. 
as far as if anyone who's been to Denver International <laughs> understands, like, oh, we landed in Denver. Just a quick hour and a half drive to visit wherever I'm going from this point. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who decided where that airport was going to go? Um, you mentioned Denver. Denver got a pretty advantageous schedule for what I can tell you. Um, situationally, the league is trying to make Denver happen. <laughs> they give uh, they give them uh, two home games, week one and week two. Andy, I know you're familiar with uh, Denver in the early part of the season when the old conditioning hasn't entirely kicked in yet. Tough to go play there in the uh, uh, in the month in weeks one, week two. So Vegas trying Jimmy, to Jimmy week G's one. been doing his conditioning at like <laughs> Aria, yeah, and then he got Sam Howell, and then. And yeah. then some road games. Yeah, so Denver is set up to do pretty well out of the gate there. Uh, it's uh, me, you know, a couple of travel spots that are okay. You know, they, they got to turn around and go to Miami where they'll play in the heat. That'll be interesting. Quick turnaround. You know, that'll be a potential neck breaking reaction market wise if if the uh, if the um, Broncos take care of business week one against the Raiders, uh, catch the Commanders catch the commanders with on the elevation uh week two and then you know go and lay an egg in miami that'll be a fun fun little um way to play the denver broncos early in the season um a lot of teams come to them at the end of the season uh minnesota comes to them uh in the winter months you get a dome team outside uh chargers come to them in the winter months that's good um and then they don't have the same kind of time zone issues that some of the other AFC West teams have. So Denver, you know, got a pretty favorable little, uh, little schedule here. Um, I want to point out the teams with the most travel advantage are Indian Jacksonville, actually. So they're not flying much. Um, Jacksonville actually gets a huge bump from their week five game at Buffalo, which is in London. Um, could not tell you why they did this to the Bills, but that's a big one. Well, the, the, the fact that they <clears throat> no one has ever played a London game and not had to travel that week. <laughs> like, yeah. It is <laughs> it's going huge. To re- really going to test the limits of because every single, you know, we, we've talked about this early in the podcast. It's like, hey, this team fucked up. Like, they went out way too late. They didn't have enough time to acclimate. We've seen, I mean, how many shutouts have we seen in London games? More, I think it's more uh, modal than you have in just, like, probably your your full sample of NFL games. Sometimes teams absolutely go over there and just fucking no-show. But no one's ever had to put up with this, where the team has been over there and played a game the week before already. So mm-hmm. that huge. It's crazy that they have this much travel advantage despite having an international game. Yeah. I mean, they get to do nothing, and the Bills have to travel 6,000 kilometers. <laughs> like, that's that's as good as it gets. Well, I suppose it's always been neutral. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your international yeah. game is just a throwaway. It's, you it's usually to, a throwaway. Yeah. But depending on how far the other team came, you know. The yeah, West Coast right. team traveling obviously would have a, a little more than Jacksonville, but not only is the team super used to be in there playing two games over there is super unique. I'm I'm excited to see how this hashes out. Yeah, also excited to see what happens to Jags after spending two weeks in London when they come home. They come home yeah. and play Indy at home, but they have a disadvantage travel-wise because they're traveling farther to get to Indianapolis to get to Jacksonville than Indy is. Um, 
then they yeah new orleans pit back-to-back roads before they're by they, they gotta they gotta they have a they're gonna have to do some serious uh sports science to get their guys acclimatized to the time change and then back uh on stateside time uh because they gotta they're gonna have to play all three of those games before they get a reset with the bye um so decent chance to sell some indie stock if you want to after they beat buffalo in london <laughs> that would be yeah. nice um the uh colts barely traveling this year um they have a nice centralized location yeah that's a good one uh they're virtually, so virtually the there, there's guys. virtually no games where they have more than a slight disadvantage travel wise even though they got it back-to-back travel a couple times this season yeah um I will note that Pittsburgh finishing road road is interesting. Pittsburgh's schedule is backloaded road in general. Not not just road road, but road West Coast road, and then you yeah, know, Baltimore's and not then, that far, but it's road road. Yeah, and that's potentially that game. I think it's going to factor into the NFC AFC North one way. I, I, and well, not all. I I really do think Pittsburgh is in the mix late for a wild card. I don't I don't have them winning the division very often. I okay. know you're high, a little higher on them than I am, but I have them in that clearly in that like 6 to 10 range where it's kind of a mess. You know, there's going to be uh, you know, we're going to sit there in week 17, week 16 and say like, "Hey, these 11 teams can can all end up as a 7th seed still." And that's that sucks for them. <laughs> that's Seattle Baltimore spot because that's essentially if you make it through that, like, hey, you know, it's your reward now. Go play another road game because you're a wild card team. Like, guess what? You're going to Buffalo. Guess what? You're going to, you know, wherever. You're going to, uh, God, who's another division winner? Not Kansas City. They have too tough a schedule. Giving that one to the, giving that one to the Broncos right now. You're heading to Denver. Just calling that. Calling my shots. Sean Payton, Stan, right here. But yeah, it's uh, it's tricky when you end up with those weird things like, hey, if you want to make it deep in the playoffs, you're gonna have to win like five straight road games, and that shit just doesn't happen. I yeah, and I mean that's a good reason to focus on Steelers. If you like, if you agree with me that the Steelers are going to surprise to the good, I think you focus on regular season. <laughs> I don't think you can pretty much count on Kenny uh, Pickett to stink in the wild card round uh, if uh, if they can even get there. Um, so that's at least where my head is at. Um, the uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah. Anything else before we flip over to the NFC? I have. Uh, I yeah, guess I just wanted to point out the Jets out. as well. The Jets end up with uh, the double road game, and uh, as high as we are in the Jets, I think a lot of people probably consider Buffalo the class yet. And there's two other really good teams, so you could have another spot where it's like, "Hey, the Jets made the playoffs, <laughs> and we'll play their third straight road game again, fourth and four, four, five weeks." Incredible. Um. Miami's schedule overall travel wise is pretty positive. Wanted to point that out. Um, mm. Chargers is bad. Cleveland's is not great for where Cleveland is. Well, Miami's is, is good, especially late. 
you know, mm-hmm. the the two biggest disadvantages for Miami are right off the bat, right out of the gate, right get it out, out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, and hopefully, New England hasn't figured out the offense. Yeah, yet. I will also say that I take very, very light weight of any kind of travel disadvantage week one. Right, you've got so much time to get ready for that. There's no cumulative fatigue of the buildup of the season impacting you at that point. So week one, I don't think you really do have that much of a disadvantage. Week two, we, at we, we talked about that a little, like yeah. some of these teams where it's like, Hey, you're on the road, but like you knew you're on the road six months ago and you planned week three of the preseason around this. And you've been, you know, you've been planning for this game for a while. You've planted your, your travel prep. Nobody's coming off a game, essentially a lot of the backups who just don't even make the team anyway. So yeah, that, Mm -hmm. that week one road game really isn't nearly as punitive as anything else down the stretch. Yep. Chargers, another negative six of their 17 games are dealing with time or cold. Um, Las Vegas as well. Always Las Vegas, always playing these early games. Um, five of them this year. One cold weather game. It's at KC. So not they they dodged the cold bullet, but they got the time bullet. Um, Miami's got a bunch of coldies. Um, we call them coldies. Coldies, yeah, cold ones. <laughs> uh, they got one, two, three, four. Arguable whether it's going to be that cold in Philly, I guess, week seven, but that's meets the criteria of off by 25 degrees. Um, the um, Miami Dolphins and uh, um, Kansas City Chiefs play in Frankfurt. They elected to take their bye after the trip to Frankfurt. I like that too. Um, the Patriots, who was the other team? The Patriots and the Colts also play in Frankfurt. They also elected to take their buys after they play in Frankfurt. So the two Germany games are immediately followed by bye weeks for both teams. The three London games are all play on, except Tennessee. On. Tennessee elected to take their break uh, after they play Baltimore uh, in London week six. They're going to take a break after that. Um, so interesting uh, decision making by a couple of these teams obviously and um yeah i mean i don't see an obvious spot for the patriots to stay across the coast this year like they have in years past i don't see an obvious spot for um any other teams to you know to to really lean into that the chargers are the only exception on and that's the beginning of the season for them their other bad travel spots are spread out so that they can't even do anything about it so um yeah, that uh, that that's a rough one. Chargers. Yeah, really, the, the most obvious sleepover spot is uh, Jacksonville. We will uh, will one hundred percent guarantee they will stay in the Greenwich Mean instead <laughs> of flying six thousand kilometers home. Yeah, yeah. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> oh my god, that would kill me. Obviously, you brought up uh, the the Jets. Um, oh no, I thought. Uh, I thought they had two. It was just uh, that's actually home versus the Chargers. Yeah, there's not as many of those spots. Is there some? No. Let's uh, let's flip over to the NFC. Is there? Is there some? There's a bunch in the spots? NFC. Yeah. There's yeah. there's a bunch. Yeah. Let's go in NFC next. Um, next. <laughs> <laughs> third. What should we do next? The NFC? Yeah. Let's do that. Um, okay. The first thing that stands out is pretty obviously in smack in the middle of this chart. The Rams. <laughs> the Rams are playing four teams coming off a bye. 
We said yeah, it in the AFC. There's no team in the AFC that hateful. plays more than one. Well, and the Rams only... do it four. <laughs> so four times is a lot. Four times is the most I've ever seen. But twice in a row, two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, right. Two weeks in a row, twice. Not not spread out throughout <laughs> the season. Like no, you get Pittsburgh and Dallas off their bye before heading to Lambeau. And then you get Baltimore and Washington, you know, later in the season after after a game with Cleveland. Like it's and two of them are road games. Yeah. They really trash yeah, they here. really got some that, you know, uh, the the Rams and the Niners obviously stuck out for me right yeah. away. The Niners are interesting too because not only do they have the um three buys. The three <laughs> off of buys, they have the two additional uh they have the mini buy seattle's got a mini buy before them and washington's got a small advantage so san francisco actually loses the most rest relative to their opponents even more than the rams they have a yeah. net and rest loss of minus 20 rams one of the one of the worst games I, the worst game is clearly buffalo having to go and play jacksonville the second week but mm-hmm. in london but this is just everything especially if dallas turns out to be a battle and you know you've had mm-hmm. three straight home games which is one thing but at that point, you're playing an early game for a West Coast team. Not all the way across the country, but pert near. And they're coming off their bye. And like that's a really nasty spot, especially if Cleveland has shit figured out by week five, because you know what we saw at the end of the last year wasn't super, you know, scary, I guess, at this point. But like, Cleveland, Minnesota, since he heading into the bye. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah, know, I guess we'll probably be buying buying the Niners in the second half of the season. That, that so here's shit. the that That's is a shit stretch, and that thing. that might be a sleepover spot too. That Cleveland Minnesota thing, it's it, again, it's not like the East Coast, but and don't you just like hey, let's go to Canton and check out yeah, the hall they got, and uh, you know they have connections to Youngstown, yep, uh, where they stayed over between the goddamn what was it Tampa to Cincy. A couple years ago, they stayed over in Youngstown, mm-hmm. uh, so they'll 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 probably stay for Cleveland, Minnesota, I would guess. Um, but there's still some bad spots on their schedule. They got to make a trip to Philly later in the season. They got to make a trip to Jacksonville. They got to make a trip to Washington. These Niners are traveling a ton, and they are not uh, given a lot of rest. Uh, advantages. Uh, they have to deal with three, four, four games where they have a meaningful rest disadvantage. Um, I will also point out Atlanta has to play three games where they have a meaningful rest disadvantage. They got to play too many by teams in the Jets and the Commanders, and then they get Tennessee off of their by. Uh, so Atlanta was rest losers. Um, Tampa Bay is a rest loser. They got four games where they're at a rest disadvantage, three mini buys, and one Indy off the buy. Um, the uh, uh, so the the rest tilted significantly against the NFC for some reason this year. Um, travel also, uh, because this is, if I remember correctly, the NFC has one fewer home game this year, I think. Yeah, it is the uh, AFC's year to have the extra game. Yeah, there's nine road games for every NFC team. Um, so yeah, uh, NFC getting dealt a little bit of a blow here. San Francisco, interesting the to Linos. me. Because, yeah, shoot, man, he misspelled it, so I had to put it on the <laughs> screen. The Linos, yeah, twelve of seventeen games are indoors. Yeah, boy, they lucked out big time. Usually they're suffering from a handful of cold weather 
end of season. Uh, but they only have one this year, and it is at Chicago. Chicago coming off there by getting the Lions outdoors week 14 uh, to try to salvage any hope of a division, I would guess. Um, the Yeah, then I mean, the Niners look to me like they're going to have a, very, a, a little bit of a tough time, a little bit of a tough go of it. Uh, they got some easy wins on the schedule with the Rams and the Cardinals in the first four weeks. Um, but I could see them getting to their bye and being a 500-ish team. At which point, I completely agree with you. That's like a team that is just going to be a blazing, flashing buy signal um, until the end of the year. Uh, I like that they get a mini buy in preparation for Philly. That's going to be a huge game, week thirteen. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, just in general, um, you know, Philly got a an interesting schedule where they are at rest disadvantage against teams like San Francisco and Dallas. And Buffalo, to a lesser degree. Um, Philly's stretch from week nine, including the bye, until week 16 is amazing. Really tough. You You host Dallas, you get your break. At KC, Buffalo, San Fran, at Dallas. That four game stretch right there is the toughest strength of opponent of any team in four games all season. Um, and it's that, and that stands alone as the toughest stretch for any team by a lot. Like that's uh, that's as tough as it gets. It's well, coming that, off their mind, and yeah, I mean, it gets easier. And we certainly don't want to put these teams in the same classes like Kansas City, but man, like Seattle and New York were playoff teams last year, and yeah. you know, some people are calling for a little downtick from New York, but essentially at the, the end, you have three out of your last four games or playoff teams from last year as well. Like that's nasty for the, the second half of the season, I guess. Mm-hmm. First place schedule. No question about it. Um, yeah. This is the kind of schedule yeah. that, yeah, that, that it's the kind of sequencing that you cook up. If you're trying to make sure that a team has a Super Bowl hangover, if I had to kind of speculate a little, um, has a team that lost the Super Bowl ever had that. I don't know. I just coined that phrase for the first time on the <laughs> podcast. A, so. To coin it, to coin a phrase. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, the big story in the NFC is rest. Um, is there a team that had a decent amount of cumulative rest advantage? The answer is Chicago, actually. Yeah, I was going to say not only rest, but it's not huge travel advantage, but similar to Indy. It's like, hey, you're kind of centralized. Yeah. You just you can't have, unless you had the international trip, which – Nobody in the NFC does besides the, you know, the Atlanta game. Not a lot of airplanes on this one. Most of the international games are, uh, what, all but, yeah, it's, it's only Atlanta, right? It's yeah. the only participant in the international series from the NFC. So just that, even though they have the extra road game, like just being centrally located, Minnesota not being very far, Detroit not being very far, like the fact that the division is so tightly packed as well for those three road games, and then some of your other road games just aren't that far. Like it's not even that bad going down to New Orleans. Washington's not that bad. Like it, Cleveland's obviously very close. Like they don't have a lot of nasty travel spots at all, and then uh, some decent rest advantages as well. Yeah. So maybe both a, games uh, against Detroit, <laughs> interestingly, and a game against Minnesota. So three of your six divisional games for the Bears are positive rest. 
it's pretty it's yeah. pretty big it's pretty big all three of those also you have a small travel advantage so um yeah bears their league's trying to make the bears happen we'll see if well, that's a thing and <laughs> You know, Minnesota too. Minnesota's schedule isn't too bad as far as advantages and disadvantages. The biggest one being that travel spot to Vegas. Yeah. But it's off a buy. Uh, it's a double dip of travel. Cincinnati's not that far from Minneapolis, but at least your worst travel disadvantage spot is, you know, supposedly a shitty team, a shitty team in the in the Vegas Raiders at that point. Yep. Uh, worth noting, the Washington Commanders are getting a lot of extra rest compared to their opponents as well. Um, this is death by a, a small cut on three of these five games they have an advantage, but uh, two of them, they got the mini buy and a buy. That's uh, obviously noteworthy. Um, Green Bay um, has a rest has small rest advantages in four games in their first eight weeks, which is kind of weird. <laughs> like they're really, really given a, a, a soft start or at least a, a head start maybe against their opponents for the first half of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, as expected, Arizona's travel sucks. Uh, mm. the, uh, I mean, they, they have some, basically they have an advantage every time they're home because look at all the teams that are traveling to Atlanta. I mean, it's outside of the teams in their division that, or just up the coast, man, it's all like the Giants, Cincy, Baltimore, Atlanta. Those are all decent spots as far as getting there. So they have some, you know, the travel advantage as far as those teams having to come to the, the place desert. where they've traditionally yeah. not played well over the last couple of years. Yeah. Because it's such a strong home field advantage they have. But some uh, some bad spots as well. Obviously, later I, in the season, indoor I mean, team going to Pittsburgh, going to Chicago, going to Philly. That's gross. Yeah, I mean, if I told you in the blind that the Cardinals finish 0-9 on the road, would it surprise you in the least? No, that's definitely in the cards. <laughs> in yeah, the cards. In the cards. Um, yeah, all, every one of their road games except at L.A. is a bad one. So there's eight losses already on the Cardinals schedule, uh, which is not great for a team that has no talent. Um, the uh, AFC, I mean, excuse me, the NFC South is nothing noteworthy at all from what I could tell you other than uh, Atlanta is going outside week 13, week 15, week 17. But I will, I will contend that there is no, Atlanta Falcons team in my lifetime that I can remember being more prepared for outdoor football in the months of November, December. <laughs> this is, you know, this is, this is a blue collar ish type of team, the way they're built. Um, so they should be okay in those spots. Um, the, I, I, I can't get over, uh, Dallas is going out into the cold four times. Um, they may be fine by that too, just cause they're now, such a balanced team offense defense but uh um interesting uh kind of a confluence of negative when dallas plays carol at carolina um confluence of negative when dallas goes at the chargers that's a that looks like a scheduled loss to me um dallas sleepover you think with san francisco and chargers back to back to negate some of that because that otherwise that 
Otherwise, that's not, a, that's a disaster of a spot. Yeah, so it's not, it's not that far, but I think some of these you know these sleepover spots, you got to start throwing out the distance a little more and being just a sure the fact that you lose an entire day between packing up and going to the airport and fucking around and getting to town and heading home. Like there's a there's a definite case to be made for let's just let's stay, let's practice at like Stanford's facility or something, and you know head down to LA in a day or something. I don't know. Like yeah. I would, I I would do that almost anytime I had back to backs that were, you know, in the same, you know, within a, a stone's throw. Yeah. Two, no. two Cali games, even for a, a, a centralized, you know, Southern, but centralized team, I would stay over for that. Okay. Well, keep, keep an eye on circle that one for notes, travel notes as uh Dallas prepares for that chargers game. That looks like a, uh, Looks like a scheduled loss. Um, yeah, we'll get it right after the bye. <laughs> the, uh, the, yeah, the AFC, sorry, excuse me, the AFC North, uh, again, to kind of leaning into the idea that that's going to be a division full of high totals. Uh, yeah, not a lot of rest problems, not a lot of uh, travel problems for a lot of, the, you know, all those teams are, are going to be in, in prime condition. Uh, set up to do well and Detroit the most interesting of them all the Linos uh, as Sam mentioned um, <laughs> they are indoors perpetually uh, particularly through the poor part of the season where you want to be indoors um, really uh, just kind of a, a extremely fortunate run for them uh, where by the looks of it Vegas on they are only outdoors once at Chicago <sighs> You know what? And I had to look at this because I, I, I was pretty sure that they're falling on these two days. But the, the Cardinals uh, play in Chicago on Christmas Eve. And then they got to go home for Christmas. <laughs> and then head back to Philly. And that's New Year's Eve. For New Year's Eve, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, like the league, when the league is mad at you, I guess they're mad at you. It's like, guess what? You're not spending holidays at home. It's fine, you know. The Lions obviously are used to working on at least one holiday, so I guess they said we'll screw them too with uh, with some travel spots as well. Um, what do they have? Yeah, they have Minnesota, Dallas. Not like super long down to Minnesota, but New Year's Eve in Minnesota, and then Dallas for New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Those are what those two Sundays will be. So mm-hmm. interesting, interesting, fucked up holidays for the poor Cardinals. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's not, you know, they're going to be sitting at like a two and 12 record too. So it's not going to feel good <laughs> on those buses, on those flights. Yeah. It's um, like, man, I'm just hoping I get traded. I'm, crack- I'm cracking up about to- the, uh, nothing like Wacker drive on Christmas Eve guys. That's it's yeah. honestly, I like Chicago. I shouldn't talk shit. I'm cracking up about the Linus thing too, Sam. Uh, and the best part of that is this isn't even the first Lions typo that's made news. You remember, of course, oh, our the loins. Ben, so pre Twitter blue when you had no edit button. Oh my God. What a, what a case for the edit button. He had just a banger tweet and he spelled it loins. Loins. <laughs> At that <laughs> yeah. point, once, once it starts popping in the notifications, you give a shitload. You can't delete it anymore. You gotta just leave it. Oh, I know that drove him nuts too. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, all right. Well, uh, 
it seems like the if I had to take kind of a macro takeaway here, the NFL is using travel and rest against the Niners to keep them grounded. They're using sequencing against the Eagles to keep them, you know, you know, they challenge them. Uh, Who are, what was the what would you say was the worst schedule in the AFC? Chargers, City or Chargers, Chargers, I think. Yeah, because the Chargers had to play Kansas City twice, so yeah, by definition, yeah, yeah. they have to have a worse schedule than the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have, to, you have yeah. to play the Chiefs twice, and the Chiefs never play the Chiefs. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, they're the keeping all the good coaches them. down. Like Staley, Staley should be flattered because they've they've stuck a lot of the good <laughs> coaches: uh, McVay, Shanahan, Reed, and Brent Staley. Yeah, tough, tough schedules. <laughs> and Jonathan and, Gannon. And Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> oh man, like oh, boy. I know, like we do a lot of this where we don't know these people, and we can be awful hard on them. Sometimes it's just because they have a funny name, or we we like, hey, where did this guy come from? Uh, someone pointed out your who was it, uh, Anna Rumo. We're mm. like, who is this guy? And now you're like a big Anarumo yeah, stand. Of course, yeah. It's it's funny how like we turn on yeah. The, who like, Anarumo? Every, every, every year we do this with some oh, coordinators for yeah. like oh, for sure. I believe um and we've we've cooled out him quite a bit because of the head coaching has not gone like the you know the coordinating did, but we did this with Art Smith a few years back oh, sure. when he first got promoted to coordinator yeah. down there. So I was because like, he was Arthur FedEx Schritt. money. Yeah, we, yeah. We my dad, pick him out of the lineup. Yeah. my dad was in Castaway. Like that's how <laughs> I got this job. So, um, yeah, and, and obviously we fell in love with him a little too. But we do yeah. that every year. Yeah. Um, so maybe, so maybe Jonathan Gannon's actually good. We don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I I've, I, I've already started uh, aggressively turning tail on uh, Matt Canada. Yeah, he was he's he was a easy punching bag all year last year, and uh, he got better towards the end of the season based on all the data I'm seeing. Uh, so if he continues to emerge, that'll help uh, help my case on uh, on Pittsburgh. And if Pittsburgh struggles, I can blame it on him, uh, and we can. Have a uh, Viking funeral for Matt Canada. Um, all right, we lit it. We won't actually burn. We won't actually guys. burn. Yeah, you know. uh, we will revisit a lot of this stuff, particularly on a team by team basis, as we go through our team previews. Um, but we uh, start next week. Start oh, next shit, week, you guys. Yeah, I'm going to be driving yeah. to South Dakota and back this weekend. And by driving, I mean my wife. My wife likes to drive. I'm not like you're driving. I I have work, <laughs> but like she she enjoys driving because she can't sleep in the car anyway. But yeah, I'm gonna be just prep prep prepping because we have uh, first team previews. What division did we decide? I don't know. We set it off the air, and I can't remember. AFC West. Oh yeah, just everything's pretty static outside of the quarterback situation. That doesn't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually redo the Raiders. We're not going to use that clip as a joke on the Raiders. Oh, yeah. what was our Raiders clip? That was this just it doesn't matter. I mean, it was basically that they built the team to fail. You know? Yeah. Like, guess what? You, you have a lame duck coach who probably doesn't get fired for three years. Like, that's yeah. where they're at. Like, he's in year one of a three year lame duckacy. <laughs> and 
maybe maybe year two of a four year lame decacy at this point if it if it keeps going the way it trended last year they have a star wide receiver and a mess at quarterback and lord knows how the rest of this is going to go so very interesting but the other three teams a lot of interesting things to talk about if the you know kansas city chiefs can continue to do it different ways mm-hmm. although it shouldn't be too much different from last year other than guys starting to age a little yeah denver huge, huge question denver has denver. a hall of fame quarterback and a hall of fame coach and they are very big question mark and then obviously kansas city trying to do it with we'll get to find out if uh, they actually made an improvement in their offensive play calling or not it's gonna be very cool All that's right. gonna be huge so We'll check you, out, check you out next week. And, yeah, check us out on threads is at Deep Dive. Not yet. I haven't, I haven't what is? there. I don't even know what's going on. Is this, threads this is, is. This is the actual Twitter replacement? Is that what I'm gleaning? So, no, 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 no. It's Facebook's version of Twitter. Um, the early returns are in so far. It's awful. <laughs> like, you, you, you can't make – you can't view posts – uh, chronologically, it chooses how you ch- view them. Mm. You can't really search things. Um, but if they say the, the main positive was like, why would somebody with like 50,000 followers go onto Mastodon or Blue Sky and be like, yeah, I'd love to start all over? And be like, hey, I need to build up this big following again. Otherwise, I'm shouting into the void. Um, obviously, that's stupid and worthless. And that's why. And then Blue Sky, you can't even join without an invite. But with threads, um, some of these people with bigger Instagram followings, I think you can just bring it over or like alert your whole inst- like if you're following someone on Instagram, like it links the same way that Facebook and Instagram would link because it's a meta product. So I think some of these bigger Instagram influencers might move over there to do text posting rather than pictures because you know those when you're when you're when you're big on Instagram for your bikini modeling. That's how you're going to continue to grow. That's, is, yeah, like, that's who text, I want to hear commentary only. about current events from. from for text sure. only is uh, yeah. is not going to be your greatest medium, but there's going to be some. <laughs> there's going to be some interesting. This one might have a a, a chip chair and a chance because every other new social platform has just sucked. Okay. All right. Well, we'll find out. I guess that's it. We'll see you. I really don't want to start over on a other God, man. Well, I had to go check it out. I think when Twitter dies, I'm just going to be like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm free. Yeah, I'm free. Yeah. It's putting me out of my misery. I still barely understand Instagram. Like, I just yeah, want a picture? Not-